0: are the reds back the reds ain't ever left baby the reds ain't ever left some people might have left some people might have said they're dead i'm so glad football's around i want to watch football but you know what i hope you love football because guess what you can come back on we we accept everybody you can come back if you left come back if you know someone that left go be a jehovah's witness go knock on the door let them know let them know It's
1: okay. What a difference one day makes. Reds win. Diamondbacks lose. Cubs lose. Giants lose. And Marlins lose. All on Tuesday night. And your Cincinnati Reds. Are one game out of a playoff spot with 16 games left. What is going on? Happy Wednesday and welcome once again to Chatterbox Reds. My name is Nick Kirby. You know it by now. Chatterbox Reds is your daily home for live post game shows after every Reds game on YouTube. And nights like last night are why you want to watch our show on YouTube. It was absolutely awesome. The chat was electric Celebrating a thrilling and exciting night for the Reds. And then of course, this is also your podcast home for episodes the morning after every single Reds game, all 162, weekdays, weekends, we're always here for you and we always appreciate you listening. This show is presented as always by Betfred Sportsbook. Alright, so coming up on today's show, myself and Trace Fowler discussed Tuesday night's game I'll recap all the Reds' minor league action as we're down to just two teams left playing. I'll preview Wednesday's game and let you know everything you need to know about the NL wildcard race. But first, here's what happened on Tuesday night in Detroit. First time the Reds playing in Detroit since 2020. First time the Reds playing in front of fans in Detroit since 2018. And didn't get off to a great start. Reds fell down 3-0 3-0 after the first inning as Brandon Williamson gave up a solo home run and then a couple of other weak hits to put the Reds down 3-0 early. Williamson, of course, this was his first start since coming off the COVID IL. Hadn't pitched in two weeks, so a little rusty early. By the top of the second, the Reds responded with two outs and two on. TJ Fredo ripped a single to right field. That made it 3-1, to Tigers. Ellie De La Cruz went first to third, and then had heads-up base running by Friedel. He took second on the throw, and that was huge because Jonathan India singled home both runners, and that made it a 3-3 game. Next inning, top of the third, Reds right back out it with another two-out rally. Joey Votto walked, Ellie De La Cruz smoked a single up the middle, and then a bloop double by Harrison Bader scored both runners. Ellie Cruz probably the only player in the sport that could score on that hit. And the Reds took a 5-3 lead. Brandon Williamson really settled in through a perfect third and fourth inning, but he did give up a walk and a double, making it a 5-4 Reds lead in the fifth. David Bell then went to Fernando Cruz. Fernando Cruz got the first two outs, but then Carey Carpenter, Tiger's hottest hitter, golfed a pitch on a pitch way low into the outfield, tied the game up at five. But the Reds' bullpen was absolutely outstanding. Reds' bullpen would end up throwing six innings pitched, only allowed two hits, no runs, no walks, and seven strikeouts. And that was huge because the Reds' offense, who was really good early in this game, struggled against the Tigers' bullpen. And the game went into extra innings, tied at five. In the top of the 10th, Tyler Stevenson finally helped the Reds break through. He singled the other way. And that scored the ghost runner, who was also a pinch runner in Noelvi Marte, just a guy with a broken nose. The send of Marte home was aggressive, and he made a nice slide, avoiding the tag, 6-5 Reds. And then Buck Farmer finished off a great day for the Reds' bullpen and a huge Reds win. Reds get win number 75 on the season. Reds now 75 and 71. Here's what Reds manager David Bell had to say.
2: First, Tyler really had a slow start to the year. So how nice was it to see him come through in the 10th for you guys?
3: He's just doing what he does. We know he can play. We know he can hit. He's shown it really his whole career, and um, he's just stayed with it. And uh, you know, that's great timing. I mean, we're playing meaningful games and it was just a matter of time. And, you know, a lot of great things can happen at the end of the season that you can even take into next season. So we're, it's far from over and every game counts. And, um, you know, the path he's been on this year just speaks to how he approaches everything. It was just a great at bat. They're completely locked in. and. um, it's kind of a great ending for just a, a, a really fun team win. We grinded it out um, from the first inning, and it just you know speaks to how you know we we played and um, bouncing back after the first inning getting down. Brandon Williams, did nothing went his way or our way in the first and he locked it right back in um, coming off a long layoff and, and, and pitched great um, kept us right in the game.
2: The bullpen another shutout day for them how valuable have they been for you down the stretch here?
3: Yeah I mean it, 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 it's been incredible they're, they're such a, a great group um, they pitched well which is really important but they're, they they support one another um, no situations too big they don't ever back down they want the ball every single day. And, um, you know, I think that goes a long way and it helps
1: them have success. And here's what the hero, Tyler Stevenson, had to say. Nice, thanks, Tyler.
2: Down in the count, you take a breaking ball into right field, scoring the eventual game winning run. What were you looking for in that AB?
4: Yeah, I fouled off the pitch before, which was a fastball. It was probably the best pitch of that bat. So I was pretty mad at myself because this game's hard and you can't be missing those. Uh, but I call it time, just refocus and try to lock it in for that next pitch. and Sure enough, he did, he made a mistake and. I was able to stay inside of the ball and get him over and luckily he scored on that
2: what can you say about the hustle of Marte a broken yeah, nose two black know, eyes running all the way from second base to score that game winner I
4: know I think we might need to get him one of those one of those max to where um, I feel like that's partially my fault of why he was in that situation um, but yeah it's huge I mean you know, like his speed's been a big part of his game and it came and obviously showed there and tour about we got guys that can do that on the base path so um, it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool
2: at this point in the season, I don't need to tell you that wins weigh a whole lot more. How did this one tonight set the tone for the rest of the road trip? Yeah,
4: it's huge. I mean, you, like you said, you can kind of take whatever uh, whatever win you get. But um, after Be will that first inning, like – I thought, I thought he did really well making some pitches and they just had some hits that go their way and um, he locked it in, he threw well, it's good to have him back and then the bullpen did a great job tonight uh, to see Buck come in and do that and uh, get the ground ball and then John make that play. Uh, it's huge and all-around great team win and look forward to tomorrow. And here's what Brandon Williamson had to say.
5: Hit, uh, hit a few good pitches um, especially in the first, they had a couple um, you know, ones that squeaked through one that dropped um, solo homer, you know Felt like I uh, actually executed pretty decent that inning. They just kind of, you know, things went their way. Um, And then in the fifth, um, you know, I just had that long at-bat with uh, Veerling, and that kind of took a lot out of me. And then I can't remember, I think Zabanias hit a a double and that was it. So, I mean, they they definitely hit good pitches. I left a few for them that they took advantage of too, but um, mostly competitive.
2: Physically, how did you feel post-COVID?
5: Yeah, uh, it took me quite a few days to really get my lungs back. Um, you know, it, it was mostly just like soreness and my lungs were um, really shot, but I, I felt fine today. You know, there, was, there was no problem.
2: You also struck out Miggy, one of the innings. How did that feel?
5: Yeah, it was cool. <laughs> uh, I told steve after the first, he got the blue, but I was like, that's all right. I can say uh, Miggy got a hit off me, and I can also say I struck him out too, so that was, that was special.
1: And last, but certainly not least,
5: Jonathan India. So
2: your first game back, a home run. You tie the game in this game. How much fun are you having being back in this in this uh, clubhouse?
6: Yeah, it's just amazing to be back with everyone. You know, this team is special. I said it from, since the beginning and uh, we're a close group of guys. So it felt pretty cool when they welcomed me back, and you know, you know, just it just feels special to be part of it again.
2: What can you say about Tyler? He had a really slow start to the year, comes through for you guys when you guys really need a victory. How big was that?
6: Yeah, he's just, he always puts his head down and works. He never, uh, you know, complains. He never shows any attitude. Um, he just puts his head down and works hard, and that's the type of player he is. And you know, he sticks through the whole year. And you know, look at him now. So um, he's a big part of this team. He always has been, and uh, you know, he's helping us win.
2: Were any conversations had on yesterday's off day just in terms of, you know, how important winning on this road trip and really for the rest of the season is?
6: Yeah, yeah, especially, you know, after our game against, uh, who did we just play? Right? Cardinals. Cardinals at home. We won that Sunday game. Uh, we had to talk of the game saying, you know, that we got to put it on these teams on the road. You know, we're a good team on the road and we got to keep winning. So, uh, we can't let off the pedal now. You know, there's only 16 or 17 games left. Um, we got to keep winning no matter what it takes.
1: All right, so the Reds made up a lot of ground in the NL Wild Card race. Let's tell you where things stand on Wednesday morning. Reds just one game out of a playoff spot. The Arizona Diamondbacks hold that third and final NL Wild Card spot. Diamondbacks 76 and 70. Reds 75 and 71. Looking a little further, second Wild Card spot. Reds just three games now behind the Cubs. And the first Wild Card spot, believe it or not, Reds are only four and a half games behind the Phillies. A spot that. While it's very unlikely the Reds can catch the Phillies, Reds are still somewhat within reach. Marlins and Giants now a half game behind the Reds, certainly still of concern, but the Reds did leapfrog both of those teams on Tuesday night. Reds' playoff odds went up from 12.7% to 20.7% according to Fangraphs. For those who don't follow those odds closely, that is a massive jump in one day. Just looking through, it looks like that is the biggest one-day swing since August 26th to 27th. And it looks like the Reds only had two other bigger swings all year. That was right around the uh, end of July, July 30th, 31st, and then July 31st and August 1st. So big swing for the Reds. Reds one game out of a playoff spot and now hey, a 1-5 in five shot of making the playoffs. All right, well, we did not have a deep drive of the day as the Reds did not homer in Tuesday night's win. However, we'll call it Will Benson's lineout. Will Benson didn't get a credit, credit in the box score with a hit, but Benson in the ninth inning hit a ball 105.6 off the bat, went 322 feet, had an expected batting average of 720, So, you know what? That play and that swing from Will Benson, worth mentioning because, hey, process better than results. Our Deep Drive of the Day is sponsored by Deep South Commodities. DSC is a leader in renewable commodities for biofuel productions, specializing in used cooking oil collection, aggregation, and sales. Visit www.DeepSouthCommodities.com for more information. Thanks, as always, to our friends. At DSC. All right. Well, here is myself and Trace Fowler on Chatterbox Reds live on YouTube. It was a fun, fun show. One of our one of my favorites of the entire year. Uh, just celebrating a thrilling Reds win. Always enjoyed doing that with you. If you haven't checked out one of our live shows, make sure you do it. But in the meantime, here's a listen from last night. I'll tell you what, man. I'm fired up. I
0: I, I did not know a Detroit Tiger win would fire me up this much, but you know what it did? I I I I I was down. I was like I said you've been there in life everyone's been there in life you're feeling sorry for yourself you have a little self-pity which by the way self-pity don't get you anywhere in life you gotta you gotta I'm not saying you you gotta always find the the inner fortitude and I almost said something that people might have said oh you can't say that but you know what you have to man up sometimes you gotta man up you gotta you gotta say you know what I'm tired of feeling sorry for myself so I stood up off my couch and I said, you know what, we're going to score some damn runs. And by God, there it goes. Scored some runs, tied the game up, left the bases loaded, by the way. But you know what? The Reds are not back. The Reds have never left. And here we're in a position now, like it or not, this team, can I remind everybody, this team, if it's, if this... If if this city is a baseball city or a football city, I don't give a tale. I could care less what city it actually is. But you know what? It's a good sports city. And you know what good sports cities do? They support their damn team when they deserve to be supported. And you know what? No excuses from here on out. No excuses. I don't want to see that ballpark 20% full ever, ever again for the rest of the season. I know that, I know that school's back in session. I know there's Friday night football. Blah, 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 blah. No excuses. No excuses. We need to get down there and support this team. They got every bit of a chance to make the postseason than anybody else. And uh I don't know. I just uh just in a position now where uh I I just think this team has some kind of magic to it, Nick. Like, do I think that they're great? I don't. Do I think they're good? I don't know. They're marginal. Like they're a little above average. But there's some kind of magic that this team has that I can't explain. And you know what? That's maybe the beauty of that's the beauty in sports is like the best team doesn't always win. Sometimes the chemistry is what matters. And Joey Vado said the family is back together. Vado and India is back. Maybe it matters. Maybe I should stop hating on the, the whole, what did, they, what did they always say? They always said uh, the team leader thing. That's what they say. He's a team leader. And you know what? From now on, I'm not going to make fun of that. You are? You going to do that? You going to watch Jonathan India come back and hit a bomb his first game back And then just get some big hits after big hits, and then you're gonna, you're gonna, you're gonna. In December, you're gonna turn around and say, "Ah, that team leadership ain't that important."
1: Red's need good players, and he's a good (laughs) player, and he helps his team. Uh, They need as many of these guys as they can get. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know team leader, whatever. They they need good players, and Jonathan India is a good baseball player. All right. Uh, Fair enough. They needed Tyler Stevenson to step up. He stepped up. They needed. Nick Martini to step up. He stepped up. It's just been it's been a team full of uh all these guys. And, and Trace, it's it's for me, like obviously I want the Reds to make the playoffs. I think that pretty much goes without saying. Sure. But it's really just at this point, I just want this ride to keep going. I didn't want to see the Reds fall to three games back and, you know, kind of fall out of it. I just I just want want I want another day. And then I want another day. And then I want another day. And that's really where I've been for about three months now at this point. And uh we're gonna get another day.
0: We are gonna get another day. And I think today we bought ourselves two days if we're being honest, but that's here nor there. Let's jump into it. Reds offense. Um, you know, it felt it felt um it feels bittersweet, I guess, is the term I'd like to use. Uh, it felt like it's a game in which they had some good moments, some great moments. They have some guys that are starting to hit the ball really, really well. But they still haven't really put a game away with their offense in a manner in which I'd like for them to. Today felt like they had a chance to do that. They didn't. They left the bases loaded. They left a couple guys in scoring position A few uh, another time. Um you know, and again, I get I get that you're not going to go out and score uh, eight, nine, ten runs on a on a consistent basis. But it felt like it felt like today they had a chance to do that and they didn't. But at the same time, they did answer back, right? They could have I don't say phoned it in, but when you get down three to nothing, it's tough to it's tough to claw your way back in the manner in which they did. So shout out to them. And um, if anything, they kind of I guess uh, they they wore this bullpen down that you said Clay obviously felt like pretty high about. So. You know they they burnt some arms tonight, and hopefully throughout the series they're going to continue to be able to burn some arms, and they'll find a way to score eight, nine, ten runs in one of these games, and take a little stress off this bullpen. Because the bullpen, I don't know, maybe I'll be wrong. I've been saying this since <laughs> how long I've been saying this? I don't know. I've been saying this for three months. The bullpen can't keep can't, can't keep continuing to do this, Nick. Like it seems impossible for them to go out there and throw five innings of shutout baseball, six innings of shutout baseball. When was the last time they even gave up a run? I'm being serious when I say that. I don't even know if you know that. But when was the they, last time they, they gave up a run?
1: No, I know. As I was doing the notes for this game. They didn't give up a run in the last two games, nine innings. So that is 17 consecutive scoreless innings from the Cincinnati Reds bullpen. Like, that's stupid. Yeah. I, I, I should have moved them to the top. You know, when you. No, that's okay. Like, like they, that should have been story number one. But I'll give you some thoughts here on the offense. Yep. Uh, yeah, look, you fought on 3 nothing. you fight back. That's huge. It just felt like, oh my gosh, first game against the Tigers, you fought on three nothing, and it was explainable. Look, it was Brandon Williamson, first time pitching in two weeks, like he was rusty. Like that was that had to kind of be expected, but you needed your, the offense to bounce back against a bad pitcher. I mean, this guy they gave up four four earned runs to the Louisville Bats a couple weeks ago. Like you've got to hit this guy tonight, and they did. They got to him. They got him out of the game early. And then look, the Tigers' bullpen, you got to give them some credit too. This is a really good bullpen. First reliever had an ERA of 4.28, but then the next one, 3.15. The next one, 2.15. The next one, 2.48. The next one, 3.51. Like These are good quality pitchers. That's the strength of their team. And Reds are very fortunate they were able to get this win tonight because now they used all those pitchers and the Tigers aren't in a spot like the Reds where they're going to run their relievers to the ground. Like no. wins and losses aren't the most important thing for them. They're in a development season like we thought the Reds would be in in September 12, 2023. So you, you you used all of those guys um and they all pretty high except for their closer at 13. Everyone else was 16, 16, 19, 46. So uh that's a good sign. Couple things I will point out though. And I'll I'll be critical of David Bell because there's two things I absolutely despised today. I felt like were maybe somewhat, uh, uh, I'll say it, I think they were emotional moves because of where we're at in the season. I think David Bell's been a guy who's trusted the process all year. And I know the chat and everyone's hated that process, but he went away from that process. And that process, I believe, is why the Reds are where they're at. I thought starting Joey Votto against a lefty tonight was a bad decision. Maybe there's something with CES. We didn't see him at all tonight, so... I'll reserve that maybe there's something there, and if that's the case, then maybe that's okay. But the one thing that I thought was absolutely indefensible, Nick Senzel was 2-for-2, and David Bell let the 2-for-2 get into into an emotional state of, he's 2-for-2, I want to give him another at-bat. Had the bases loaded, he should have gone to Will Benson there. Reds were up 5-3 at the time. Will Benson, A, could have increased the Reds' lead, obviously, put the game away, and even if still... You're putting Will Benson in right field. You're moving Sincel out of or Steer out of right field to third base. You're making your defense better. I thought that was a massive mistake in this game. And uh, look, I'll call it out when I see it. I like most of what David Bell's done, it goes with what I would do, but that was a very poor decision tonight. And we're fortunate it didn't cost this game.
0: Yeah, and can I, I'll defend I'll defend Nick Senzel a little bit too. I mean he had a good at bat. He he was competitive up there. Now I get I get what you're saying. I'm not I'm not defending the move by any means, but he and he did swing at ball four, unfortunately. But you know, I Senzel it's one of those things where it's okay to be critical of a decision and still not fault. Senzel because he's not good type thing. You know what I'm saying? It's, this is not about Senzel. It's more about just the fact that listen, if you're going to believe in a system and do this system time and time again, if you're going to pinch hit Kevin Newman for Jake Fraley when Jake Fraley is, is is lighting the world on fire in the first two weeks of the season, then you then you do it. then you you Nick you have to do it that way. And I know that I'm a guy that's usually going against that grain a little bit. We we kind of uh, you know we kind of play ying and yang on the whole analytics stuff from time to time but the thing is is this i do think that if you're going to do something you have to consistently do it otherwise you're just defeating the purpose of it right because at the end of it the analytics really are we're 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 not talking about huge deltas here right like we're talking a huge split would be a guy gets a, a one extra hit every 10 at bats right it's not in and, and, and every 10 at bats when you were to pinch hit for somebody it only is going to work theoretically one extra time out of the 10 if you're if you're not going to do that, then you start you're starting to get into the point where you're starting to kind of play with this weird thing that is okay. Well, you're not going to get the full value out of something if you don't do it all the time. And to be fair to David, it's one time. It's not like this guy's been doing it half the time. So it's you know if he's done it, he's done it 98 percent of the time. This has just been this is the two percent. You brought it up, and and uh, I think it's more than fair. And for those that want to say that you do nothing but but uh, bootlet uh, bootlick, is that what you say? Do bootlicker or something like that? I don't know what the right term is, but Boot- yeah bootlick bootlicker yeah but but for all the people that want to say that you do nothing but uh you know praise David Bell no matter what you you you're you're being critical of him which is good so i am at a point now nick where nixon Zell is is has been providing some value man like i he he's so bad against right-handed pitching but and he's not really good in the outfield but he's he's been so good against left-handed pitching you feel you feel like he has to be he has to continue to be a part of the story you know like he just does so I'm not downplaying. I don't want anybody to think that we're downplaying what Nixon Zell's done because he's had some, he had a big hit in this game and he got robbed of a he got robbed of an RBI because that ball hit the corner of the outfield wall when it could have possibly went all the way to the corner and scored India from first. But um, but I just wanted to bring that up before we keep it moving.
1: Yeah. Well, no, absolutely. And and me saying saying Will Benson should pitch hit for Nixon Zell's no discredit Nixon Zell at all. Nixon Zell deserves a lot of credit for a guy that was the number two overall draft pick for accepting a role and thriving in the role. Uh, I would almost say Nixon Zell is the right-handed Jake Fraley at this point. I mean, look at the numbers this year. I mean, he's hitting like almost 350, like a 950 OPS against left-handed pitching. It's not a small sample. It's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And he's hit left-handed pitching better throughout his career. This year, it's really taken off to another level. So he deserves all the credit for, for getting in his role. That's the thing that I think gets confused a lot of time when I say, this guy should platoon, this guy should not. It's not a knock on any of these guys. I want these guys put in the best position for each of them to succeed. I want Will Benson hitting against right-handed pitching because that's where he's going to succeed. I want Nixon Zell hitting against left-handed pitching because that's where he's going to succeed. Uh, and, and I think that, yeah, deserves a lot of credit for what he's done. Two huge hits early in this game. Uh, and, uh, yeah, it's really cool to see him I- embracing that rule. Uh, no discredit at all of him. It's just David Bell needs to, I think, I think it was just a spot where he got emotional two for two. Well, I, you know, he, no, just trust the numbers. Just because he went two for two doesn't mean he's going to get a hit off a righty. That he, like he's hasn't done almost all year. Yeah.
0: No, I mean, you're right. And listen, I, I for those that are obviously popping off in the chat, talking about um, what and Senzel traded and other things like that. I mean, listen, I think the reds would have traded Sinzel if there was an offer that was worthwhile there. there no, no one else obviously put an offer out there worthwhile. And here we stand. So we have, we have the guys we have. And I, I, I continue to just to be amazed by what this team has been able to accomplish based off the things that have happened to them. I'm not trying to say like throw a pity party here for the Cincinnati reds and say that, you know, it's ridiculous that they, they, that they keep finding ways to win, but it is like this team with, with, with all due respect, is is one you could argue kind of paper thin when it comes to major league talent ready to go this year. Um, they lose guys like Matt McClain recently. They lost India for extended period of time. I think the Votto thing again, I'm not trying to like keep pushing this into the universe and act like I'm hundred percent, right. I will speculate And a clear, let me be clear. It is speculation. It's a complete opinion. I think Joey Votto didn't really get hurt. I think that was just an opportunity for him to try to get his mind right and give him a chance to rest and regroup and get himself to a position where he can kind of finish the year uh, strong, if you will, versus laboring through a month of baseball. Um, maybe it'll never come out, but I'd love to hear the what, the what the truth of that would be here years down the line if they're ever willing to tell the truth. But that's here nor there. And then you have covid uh, you have Nick Lodolo that's been out all year long. You have Hunter Green that missed extended periods of time. You have Graham Ashcraft who, for a month, we thought maybe he wasn't going to be a very good starting pitcher. And then all of a sudden you got a guy like Brandon Williamson who has a 7-plus seven, seven plus ERA in the minor leagues. He gets thrown to the Wolves in Colorado, and we're all making fun of the fact that they're just going to throw him out there. And next thing you know, he throws the ball well, and then he's, he's been unbelievable for the past whatever it's been, two and a half, three months. Um uh, and then you have a bullpen where Buck Farmer's the highest paid guy and they they go out and throw 17, 18, 19 innings of scoreless baseball when it means the most. So I know I'm preaching to the choir here. I know many of you have, have, have been a, been a part of this ride from the very beginning, but it's hard not to be romantic about this team because you just you don't get this that often. Every single time a season starts, there's expectations that come with that. Next year, you 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 damn well bet. That me, you, and everyone else that are Cincinnati Reds fans are going to come to expect this team to be not, not just a part of the playoff conversation, but a part of the division championship. And this year was just a blessing. I mean, it was a blessing. Now, again, it's not over, but I'm just going to try to appreciate it and take it for what it is. And again... Nick, I don't know how you feel about this, but the Reds' offense needs to needs to kind of help carry the load because it feels like it's uh, it's the only thing holding this team back from getting getting themselves into a position where I think they can actually get really hot. Is this offense?
1: They've been playing well of late. I, they I have. think they're playing a lot a lot better than I think people think they are. This is a team that that came into today uh, leading the National League in batting average and on base percentage and OPS in the month of September. And uh, I'm pulling up the numbers to see if they updated. They still have the best batting average in the national league in September. They still have the best OPS three points better than the Braves in the month of September. So the offense is playing well right now. Yeah. Maybe they haven't come through in every single spot with runner and scoring position. Like maybe we want them to, but they're playing well and uh, they have their most complete lineup. They've had in a long, long time, even without Matt McClain. Uh, who maybe, maybe still has a chance to get back, which is wild. I thought he was done. A point on on this team, kind of to touch on what you just said. If this team makes the playoffs, it's one of the most extraordinary feats in the history of this franchise. And I believe that. I mean, this team was projected to win 65 games. We're at 75. We might be talking about a team that finishes with 20 more wins than they were projected. I mean, think if it was projected at 80 and they won a hundred, how that would feel. It's not really different at 65 and 85. Like that's where we're at. It's just, it, that's why for me, I want them to make the playoffs. I just want this to go into their day because the season has just been so incredible just because of, I didn't have any expectations on it.
0: I, I'm with you. So, all right. Uh, B will returns. You, we already hit on this a little bit, um, Brandon Williamson's a guy that I, I just – it's hard for me to gather my thoughts right now because there's a two different things that pop in my head when I want to talk about him. One is how how much of a competitor I think deep down he really is. I, I, and you know when I found that out I, – I this is people are going to laugh at this, but I, I really thought to myself, I actually like this guy. When he tweeted at Charlie Goldsmith during the rain delay in Baltimore – I know that sounds stupid, and I know it's a joke. Like, I get it. I mean, Trace is, Trace is kind of an idiot. He says stupid things all the time. But I'm being serious, man. Like, you, you, there's some guys that just don't, you know, just don't take it that personal like he was taking it that personal. He has a little Graham Ashcraft-ish in him. And you know what? From that point forward, he's been pretty damn good. He's been pretty damn good. Now, you know what? Do I think he's Do I think he's uh, got a ceiling to be a number Number two or maybe three starter I don't I don't think so But I think he can be a serviceable four and definitely a serviceable five And you know what Maybe he ends up getting to the bullpen at some point I don't know But you know what At this moment I would venture to say that if you had to pin me up against the wall and say that I had to pick the top five guys that were going to start the, the start next year in the rotation it's hard for me not to think that Brandon Williamson outside of injury is not going to be a part of that rotation. And some of it just comes down to the fact now that I think he gets himself into positions where he stays competitive, where he didn't do that before. And you've talked about that a thousand times. He just could have folded. He gave up three runs early in this game. He could have folded. He ends up going four, giving up five, nothing to phone home to to the parents about, but it just gave the team a chance to continue to compete. And I, and I, I guess, if anything, I appreciate that out of Brandon Williamson.
1: It's funny. Literally after that Baltimore start is when his run started. Go look at his game logs. That's when you can, if you're trying to clip up, Brandon Williamson's been really good since this time. It's literally after that start. So I don't know. Maybe there's some magic to that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he's just, uh, He's completely flipped the entire narrative around him, and that's just—it's cool to see when a player could do that because the narrative around him, from anyone who watched him in the minor leagues, was this guy can can pitch. He he looks really good sometimes, but man, when things don't go his way, everything snowballs against him. And he's been the exact opposite of that in the big leagues, which is just remarkable. Maybe Derek Johnson gets a little bit of credit for that. I I don't know. Uh, but uh, but no, I mean tonight, like. Look, if you look at his his line, it's it's not great. But if you take a step back and you look at this guy, okay, he hadn't pitched in two weeks. The first run he gave up was a mistake home run. But then runs two and three, man, those were brutal runs to give up. Your first start back, you're like, oh my gosh. But he got out of that inning, didn't give up another run. Uh, he gave up one, but then the other run was actually off his watch. So I thought overall he, he kept this team in the game. Um, and uh, I'm excited to see how he can finish the season because he's been one of the many incredible stories this year that have kind of built this Cincinnati Reds to 75 wins and counting.
0: No doubt. Uh, quick super chat here from Matt Well says, B Will is a guy that we just like, something about him just clicks. He fights up there tonight, he is pissed at himself, and you could see it. B Will is. He's a uh, he's he's a competitor, man. I mean, he's a competitor. So I can live with that. I can live with die. I can live and die with guys like Brandon Williamson and Graham Ashcraft. And I and, and I and I'm not here to say Hunter Green and 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 any of these other guys don't care either. That's that's ridiculous to say. But there is some kind of competitive juice that's going to rub off on the other guys. And I think that you know when you have Graham Ashcrafts of the world and you have Brandon Williamsons of the world. I, I do think that there's something that will start rubbing off on uh, on on those other guys. I think Hunter Green will start to kind of feel that energy, if you will, and feel like he needs to match that, and you start to vibe off each other, and that's why good teams get better. You know, Usually when you're around good, good players, you yourself become a little bit better as well. Um, Red's bullpen, we talked about this already a little bit at length at the, be- at the beginning of the show, and, and uh, really to put a bow around it. You had said, "Do you think Diaz is going to go two innings?" I think that was a reasonable request. It was a reasonable thought. I made the point that at this point, do you really think there's a huge difference between Diaz and I know it sounds wild to say because Diaz has been unbelievable, and I'm not. This isn't a downplay on Diaz. I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to knock Diaz. What I'm about to say, but in all honesty, man, if you said, "Hey, Diaz is coming to the game," or Fernando Cruz is coming into the game, or Buck Farmer's coming to the game, or Ian Jabot's coming to the game. If they have their stuff, like if they're not walking guys, I'm not saying they're interchangeable. That would be a little crazy to say, but they're they're not far off. I bet they're I bet I I would venture to say that if you if you told somebody that Ian Jabot was coming to the game that's a casual fan, and then Alexis Diaz, they'd think that there's this massive difference. And I don't see it that way anymore. I just don't. Um, Mr. Juan's asking if I am I on the Buck the Buck Farmer train. You got me, Mr. Juan. You got me. Hand up. You got me. I I, I know I said we should have traded him. I, I, sometimes you're wrong in life. Sometimes you're wrong in life. You just have to admit when you're wrong. I, Trace Fowler, uh, born January 30th of 1989, the son of Lisa and Randy, was wrong. Do you like that, Mr. Wong? Does that make you happy? Do you like to go to bed tonight knowing that you just made me sue that? I was wrong. All right. I'm sorry. Buck Farmer, God bless him. I, I I don't know what else to say. I you know what it was? Can I can? I, is this a trust tree? Are we in a trust tree here? Don't tell nobody. I kind of wanted to trade him because I thought this thing was gonna fall apart. <laughs> I have gotta be honest with you. I did. I mean, this doesn't seem serviceable. This does. This doesn't seem. This doesn't seem realistic. It doesn't seem realistic to think that this bullpen's gonna continue to go out and save everybody's ass. But here we are. Here we are. September 12th, 2023. And you know what? I'm glad I was wrong. I'm so glad I was wrong. Never stopped
1: believing, it but it. I did think that the
0: bullpen was going to fall apart.
1: It did at one point this year look like Buck Farmer was completely out of gas, uh, in, in fairness to you. And uh, he somehow got through that dead arm or rough patch or whatever it was that pitched for the well. In, in fairness to the bullpen tonight, Fernando Cruz did allow an inherited runner to score Lucas Sims gave up a ball that was a home run in 18 ballparks, but again, the thing that I look to is no walks in six innings. And I'm, I imagine there was some sort of emphasis. You're, hey guys, you're in Comerica Park. This is a place you don't walk, guys. And Lucas Sims, hey, if you're you know biting the count, throw throw, make a beat you with a home run, and they they weren't able to beat the reds bullpen with the home run tonight so that's just the thing that man that that's the most exciting part of this game is just to throw that many innings not walk a single batter that's awesome and and they fell behind several times in the count but they they you know they challenged them and you know this is a team that you want to challenge so so good for the reds bullpen tonight trace one thing we got to talk about several people in our Lovely chat brought it up, and I'm glad you did, because sometimes when you're doing these shows live, you know, it's hard to remember every single little thing. But something we definitely need to talk about is Ellie De La Cruz batting seventh. Chat brought it up. I think it's a great uh, topic to uh, discuss, because it was a big change today in the lineup.
0: Well, Nick, you know, I'm a guy that just thinks the lineup doesn't matter. I mean, I, I gotta be honest, Nick. You know, I'm, I, I, I've, I've read a lot of books, um and I've come to the conclusion that no matter where you stick these guys doesn't matter they all get to bat and they all get the same am- amount of opportunities and it just shakes out over the course of 162 games you might have you might produce an extra run or something like that but it isn't worth getting it isn't worth getting in a fuss about uh yeah no it's it's kind of nice it's kind of nice to move them down a little bit maybe it takes some pressure on them you know these guys are humans there are some psychological things that go on uh, from time to time, with him. and you know what, I think Will Benson's another guy. Quite frankly, that the lower in the lineup he hits, the better he often produces. And you know what, the other thing I would say too, and as much as we wanted to make make uh, maybe as much as we wanted to dismiss this a little bit, Nick, there might have been something to Jonathan India not batting leadoff, and it and it just something psychological affecting him. And I'm to the point now where I'm not going to argue because it's impossible to win the argument over. You know whether or not the lineup analytically or statistically adds up to more runs, I'm going to play the game that is you can't prove me right and or wrong. It's an indefensible argument. I think psychologically it matters. I think their brains is why it matters. It makes them feel better or it makes them feel worse, and it makes them try to do something they're not capable of doing, and or maybe it, it lets them just settle in and relax and hit. So that's where I'm going to go with it. Hopefully it gets Ellie going by moving him down in the lineup. Hopefully people got the bit at the beginning, or else my mentions are going to be great.
1: No, I I agree completely. I think the psychological aspect of it is the most important part of it. It's I'm all about putting guys in the best spots for them to succeed where they're most comfortable, which is why I push back all offs all season when everyone's like, you have to move Will Benson to the top of the lineup. You have to. It's like, well, this guy's comfortable at the bottom. It's not that big of a deal to move him up. You're not gaining that much of an advantage. Uh, one thing on Ellie Day of the Cruz, tomorrow Reds will be facing a lefty again. So I think for sure you're putting him back in the seventh spot again. I'm curious to see what they do on on Thursday. Although they might they might actually give Ellie a day off tomorrow, which wouldn't be a bad idea against a really, really good lefty. But that's beside the point. I'm, I'm interested in Thursday against a righty because Ellie's splits are pretty drastic. I mean, he's hitting 188 against lefties. He's hitting 254 against righties. 509 o- OPS against lefties, 786 OPS against righties. So, led the Cruz, as much as maybe being people have looked at Zimmer City struggling, I mean, that's still nearly an 800 OPS against right handed pitching. So, maybe maybe it's just uh, we're batting you lower against lefties, we're batting you higher against righties. I would have no problem with that. I would also have no problem if, if David Bell said seven for the rest of the year, no matter what. Again, I don't think it makes that big of a deal one way or the other. But I, I do think moving him down was good to help him look more comfortable. He looked good tonight. Drew walk, absolutely smoked a single right back up the middle. Uh, that was a really solid night. Yeah, for he Lee almost killed that guy.
0: <laughs> I mean, Rest seriously, that guy—he was about a foot away. Ellie De La Cruz was a foot away from from damn near killing that guy. That was left-handed, by the way. And I just want to remind everyone that he was hitting right-handed when he did that. Um, you know, we'll see what happens with C- with with uh, with Ellie and his career whether he decides that he wants to continue to be a switch hitter or if he just ends up banging it all together at some point and just saying he's going to be a lefty and he's just going to try to do the lefty-on-lefty splits because if the splits aren't great anyways when he's hitting right-handed then he might just ditch it. The only reason I bring that up is because I remember uh, quite some time ago I was was, uh, listening to Lance Berkman talk and they asked him if he could do anything over again in his career, what would it be? And he had brought up that he would no longer be a switch hitter. He just thought it took a lot of time to try to, to 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 perfect both both sides of the plate, and he felt like if he'd have just dedicated maybe more of his time, if you will, on just one side, which would have been left-handed, then he could have just been good regardless on whether it was lefty and or righty. I don't know if that's you know I don't know if that's going to end up being a thing or not, but it'll be interesting to see where the game evolves with guys that are switch hitters if their splits aren't really good, if they just decided just to bang it and go left-handed. We'll see. There's not that many switch hitters left, but we'll see. That's that's
1: uh, that's a debate for another day. All right, let's get you caught up on all the Reds minor league action from Tuesday night. We'll start off with AAA in a wild game. Louisville Bats lost 17-11 to the Durham Bulls. Bats now 70-67 and on the year. This game was, uh, there was a rain delay. It was a downpour uh, early in this game. Tough one for Lion Richardson. His first start since getting demoted did not make it out of the first inning. Only got two outs, gave up two hits, seven earned runs, walked four batters, command was all over the place, walked a couple batters actually with the bases loaded. So Richardson, you know, maybe at this point, fatigue really setting in for him. It's been an incredible season for him going all the way from Daytona to the major leagues, but maybe Richardson running out of steam wouldn't be surprised if maybe the Reds shut him down here in the near future. Kevin Newman on his rehab assignment. Not really sure Reds' plans with him. He was 0-3 with a walk. Newman kind of in probably no man's land, maybe just kind of seeing, uh, being ready in case someone gets hurt. Uh, Jose Barrera, 1-3. for 3. But Jacob Hurtaby, he was 3-for-5. Another great night for an incredible season from Hurtaby. This guy now in 309 at-bats has a 478 on on-base percentage this season. And you have to mention it when he does it. Jason Vossler had a huge night. 5-for-6 his first career 5 hit game. Also had a home run. Vossler's got 19 home runs for the bats this season. One other notable pitching Appearance: Casey Legamina pitched two innings, did strike out four batters, but gave up three hits and two earned runs with one walk. All right, Double A Chattanooga Lookouts preparing to get postseason play started here next week. Uh, they lost five three to Birmingham Lookouts now sixty eight and sixty four on the season. Uh, not a whole lot going on in this game. Blake Dunn over four with a walk. Uh, Matt Nelson one for four. Uh, he now has twenty one home runs on the season. So the Reds' catching prospect continuing to show some really good power. Uh, I, I saw Nelson earlier in this year and last year playing for the Dayton Dragons. Uh, really like what I saw from him behind the plate. So interested to see if, if Nelson can maybe be part of the Reds' catching mix, mix at maybe at some point next year. Uh, definitely an intriguing player to keep your eye on. Tyler Callahan, he was 2-for-5 with a double. Alan Serto 1-for-2 two with two walks. All right, Reds and Tigers, 6.40 p.m. on Wednesday night, game two of this three-game series. And it'll be the biggest challenge for the Reds going up against the lefty Eduardo Rodriguez. He is 11-7, got a 3.18 ERA, a 3.43 FIP. Doesn't walk a lot of batters, doesn't give up a lot of home runs. Uh, Rodriguez... Interesting player. Uh, last year, he spent more than two months away from the Tigers on the restricted list. All we ever found out was there was some personal matters he had to deal with. Then this year, the Tigers tried to trade Rodriguez at the trade deadline. He had a no-trade clause. Tigers must have thought that they were going to be able to get him to accept a deal to the Dodgers, but he ended up activating his no-trade clause. He's still with the Tigers. Over his last five starts, does have a 4.66 ERA, so... Maybe the Reds are getting him at the right time. Seems like maybe a bit of a stretch, but hey, you never know. Uh, Rodriguez only made one career start against the Reds, and it was all the way back in 2017, and he was good. Through seven and two-thirds shutout innings at Great American Ballpark, only allowing three hits. Only Reds that have faced Rodriguez. Joey Votto is one for three. Luke Maley just one for ten with five strikeouts, and then Hunter Renfro one for five with three strikeouts. All right, start number two in his career for Connor Phillips in his debut against the Mariners. Four and two-thirds innings, six hits, five earned runs, two walks, seven strikeouts, but gave up two home runs. Maybe pitched a little better than that at times, uh, but we'll see what he can do. Tigers, a little bit easier of a lineup to face than the Mariners. And uh, Phillips actually made two starts this season against the Tigers' AAA affiliate. That's the Toledo Mudhens. In that first start, he did face Akil Badu and Parker Meadows, two guys who you would expect to be in the Tigers lineup on Wednesday night. Badu was 0 for 3 in that game with two strikeouts against Phillips, but Meadows one for one, triple and a walk. Also just happened to be Christian Encarnacion-Strand and Noelvi Marte also appeared in that game. So we could have a game on Wednesday night that has three players in Phillips, Badu, Meadows, and Strand, and Marte that all face each other in the same AAA game earlier this season. Alright, taking a look at the NL wildcard race and the teams that are in action. Got an all day of baseball so uh, buckle in. Starts off at 310. Cubs at the Rockies. Jamison Talion going against Ty Block of the Rockies. Then at 345, the Giants are hosting the Guardians. Guardians have the lefty Logan Allen on the mound going up against the Giants' lefty of their own, who the Reds just saw, and Kyle Harrison. Of course, really good against the Reds. Not as good next start after that. Then at 7-10, Diamondbacks at the Mets. Diamondbacks, they will have their ace, Zach Gallen on the mound for the Mets. It'll be Joey Lucchesi. And then the last game of importance for the Reds, the Marlins at the Brewers, 7.40 p.m. Marlins have the lefty Braxton Garrett on the mound. Brewers have the righty Trevor Maygill. All right, well, thanks so much to everyone for joining us for Chatterbox Reds. Can't tell you how much we appreciate all the support that you've given us this season. It has been a blast doing the show, this podcast, the YouTube show every night. Uh, if you haven't yet, please leave us a quick five-star review wherever you're listening to this podcast. That stuff really helps us out. And, of course, be sure to check out all of Chatterbox Sports' content on YouTube. There is a ton of new shows, Uh, Mac and JT, an NFL show, Casey's Clicker, breaking down Bengals film, Uh, just all kinds of good content. Chatterbox Sports on YouTube. Subscribe and then hit the bell in the top right corner so you're notified whenever uh, we go live or there's a new show posted. And, again, thanks so much to everyone for your support. Hope that you have a fantastic Wednesday, and as always, go Reds.